The personal is always political and the political is always personal. You're tuned in to Poppin' Policies with R. Jordan Davis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Poppin' Policies, where we break down politics for your cousins and them. I am R. Jordan Davis, and on this episode, we have Senator Doug Jones, one of the U.S. Senators representing Alabama. Senator Jones is the only statewide elected Democrat in Alabama. We talked about his successful prosecution of the 16th Street Church bombers and campaigning amidst COVID. So without further delay, let's get right into the conversation. Thank you so much, Senator Jones, for joining me today on Poppin' Policies. I am super excited to have you. Well, thanks for having me, Jordan. I really appreciate it. This is a great opportunity uh, to talk to you again uh, and to talk to a bunch of your listeners. You've got quite a following. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm super excited. So I wanted to start off the conversation about or surrounding one of the things that I just thought was so profound when I first heard of your run when you were running back in 2017. And that was your successful prosecution of the murderers of the four little girls, Eddie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Denise McNair, and Carol Robertson. Can you share with us just that process? And did that actually uh, lead to your wanting to pursue public office? How did that start? How did, what was that process like? Well, it really goes back a, a long ways. I, I got involved in politics probably, you know, in, in high school with just some dabbling in uh, with some things. Uh, got engaged more when I went to college, uh, was involved in really in the, in, I think it was 1974 where, when Alabama actually modified an entire article of their antiquated constitution, the judicial article. Then you, uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, Howell Heflin, uh, wrote that, got that uh, in, and it was a referendum, and a bunch of college students went door to door. We really worked hard because it modernized the court system, and that really got me engaged, and I stayed engaged in politics through law school and was lucky enough to get a job with um, Senator, then Senator Heflin. He moved from the being Chief Justice to the U.S. Senate, and I worked up there with him for uh, a year uh, on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and I really saw with him what politics and public service can do for good for people. Absolutely. And then, you know, when I was in law school, right before I went up to DC, uh, Bill Baxley, who is a great lawyer and a hero of mine, he was the Alabama attorney general elected at a very young age. And he prosecuted the first of those church bombing cases uh, back in 1977, when it was still a little bit iffy about the popularity of doing so. And he convicted a guy named Chambliss. And as a law student, I sat, I cut some classes, and I went and watched that trial. Wow. Between those two people, watching what's good can be done, it really instilled in me a desire for public service that later I was fortunate enough to become the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Alabama. That case had just recently been reopened, and then I took it and ran with it because I knew it was so important to Alabama, to the Birmingham community, to that church community really for the country as a whole, to try to put some justice to such a uh, horrendous crime, an unsolved crime for so many uh, years. And, you know, between that 
it just, you really kind of get a sense of the good things that you can do as a public servant. If you go into it with a servant's heart, if you go into it with wanting to do good for people, and not just as a, an ego to hold public office, which I think, quite frankly, too many people do today. I totally agree, Senator. And it's super, I'm super glad to hear that you were so involved in uh, your youth with politics and um, how you kind of developed this, this love for, for public servants or service at a, at a young age. Because a lot of my listeners, um, some of them are involved in politics now um, in their youth, you know, they're college age students, some are even in high school. And so what advice would you give them, um, especially in a year like 2020, when we have so much going on politically, right? Um, what advice would you give them um, in an effort to kind of go out and continue to stay on fire, to stay uh, geared up and excited? Because a lot of things are moving, there are a lot of moving parts. And so uh, we want to stay energized because um, although the election is in November, our work doesn't end uh, November 3rd. So what advice would you give to uh, the young people who are involved in politics? Well, in many ways, Jordan, the work just begins after November the 3rd. Whether, you, whether your candidate wins or loses, the work really begins after the election. This is just an election season right now, but the work of policy and public service begins the day after the election. And what I would tell folks is to look around at, at just recent history. You don't have to go all the way back to the prosecution of the church bombing cases 20 years ago. Let's look and see what's happened in Alabama and this country just in the last four years, just since 2016. You can look and see, and if you're satisfied, then work with whoever it is that you think can keep that status quo. But if you're not satisfied, like I'm not satisfied. If you're right. not satisfied and you think that this country can do better, if you think that the can, state can do better, then get engaged. Get engaged with either local candidates at a local level, whether it is someone running for the city council or mayor, we just finished some of those, county commission, um, judges, but also you've got a couple of congressional candidates uh, out there. You've got right. Senate candidates in my race uh, coming up in November. Those are areas where you can volunteer. You're not going to be part of the overall strategy sessions and things like right now. But getting engaged with a, a campaign does two things. Number one, it helps you get a sense for the political process, the political process, not the public service process. But the political process is also all about trying to do the things that people um, are, are good for people. You know, I, when I run my campaign, I tell my, my, my staff, we don't look at the polling for uh, uh, so many things. What we do is we see where things, what we feel, what we know where people are hurting, where they need some help. We know Alabama. I know I lived in Alabama all my life. So I know we want a strong national defense. We want good paying jobs. We want those kind of things. And you need to work for a candidate and a, uh, that, is, that is going to basically represent your position knowing you're not going to agree with that candidate 100 percent of the time right be prepared for that but at the same time there there are folks out there and i would say get engaged now but again the real work starts on november the 4th because that's when the election's over and that's when public service begins and that's when the voices are even more important going forward to whoever wins that election 
making sure that your voice is heard with whoever is holding public public office. Absolutely. And you've been praised while while being in the Senate for your bipartisanship efforts. And I know there are quite a few uh, bills and pieces of legislation uh, that are uh, languishing in the Senate. And, uh, you know, one of those being, you know, the George Floyd Policing uh, Act. Uh, what do you think is uh, the solution for getting legislation such as um, the George Floyd Policing Act and um, some of the other legislation that is stuck in the Senate, the John Robert Lewis Voting Rights Act? What, what do you think um, are the solutions to getting that passed? Frankly, the solution is elections. I mean, this is an incredibly important election. You know, every election is the most important election that we've seen because it's the next election and it's gonna set the stage for, in the case of a president, the next four years, in the case of, a, of an Alabama senator, the next six years. Right. Uh, and so, but I will tell you in all candor, I don't believe that I've, I've witnessed an election that is as, as important as this one is uh, today, this year. Uh, we, we've, we're seeing such division out there. We're seeing so much us versus them, good versus evil kind of things out there that we've got to, to have our voices heard that we can do better, that we've got to make sure that people are talking to each other, that they're having dialogues. And I just don't see Mitch McConnell ever putting uh, the um, uh, policing bill on the floor of the United States Senate. He tried to put one on the floor uh, that's, that Senator Scott from South Carolina um, filed, which was completely inadequate. I actually voted to put it on the floor so, so we could get a debate on the floor of the Senate. But the bill that Senator Harris and Senator Booker has, which I'm a co-sponsor of, is the best bill to put on there. But I don't anticipate seeing that this fall, even in light of the most recent shootings that we see uh, uh, of Jacob Blake in, um, in Wisconsin. I just don't see it coming up. We're not back in session until next week and we've got appropriations, we've got COVID. Um, I, I think it's gonna take elections before we ever see that bill or the Voting Rights Act ever sees the light of day. And even then, it will get to the floor of the Senate, but it will be difficult to garner 60 votes to pass it unless we can really have a serious discussion and debate on the floor of the Senate. Exactly. And you talk about the conversations and the discussions that people are just quite frankly, they can't have or they're prevented from having because of this, div the, this division and the divisiveness that is going on. How important is um, listening to your constituents um, in terms of voting and meeting with different uh, people, particularly young folk, um, particularly communities that are disadvantaged, um, because you are the lone Democrat um, in, the, in the entire state of Alabama. And so how important um, is it for you to have those conversations and for you to, for you to listen, um, but also for, for them to listen to you and uh, for, for you to just kind of give perspective to what is going on? Yeah, you know, look, it's, it was, it's been extremely important for me. We have been trying to do those listening sessions virtually uh, for a while now, but even before, since I, since I ran in 2017, and, and then after taking office in January of 2018, we've spent a lot of time in the, what, what we call the underserved communities uh, and trying to get a handle on their problems. For instance, 
we knew that there were rural broadband problems. So we had several hundred million dollars put into the farm bill and others to try to get grant monies into these communities. I've got a bill pending now, the Rural Broadband Access Act that would get um, consolidate all of the federal government's efforts into one office and give literally billions of dollars because this pandemic has showed us how, how we are suffering from the lack of broadband in so many areas. We have been in there. I'll tell you one of the things that I did right after I got elected is I took a tour down through the Black Belt area of, and, and saw firsthand the problems with wastewater and sewer sanitation and septic tanks. Uh, it was just incredible to me that in the 21st century uh, in, a, in Alabama that it was like a, a different un, you know, country. Yeah. And so we really worked hard across the aisle, by the way, with Senators Booker from New Jersey and Senator Capito, Republican from West Virginia, to try to create and get money into those communities for upgrades to their sewer sanitation, upgrades to septic tanks, to try to do those things to kind of, kind of help in those areas. The, the other issue that I've really done is, is in uh, healthcare, trying to keep rural hospitals open. Yes. And, you know, I get those, I, I mainly have those legislative packages come from meeting with people and listening. It's important for me to let folks know what we're doing, but it's really more important for me to listen to folks and understand their cares and their concerns and help then try to form a solution for all of that. That's what we do more than anything, I think. You know, the campaign is a time for me to kind of talk a little bit more about the things that I've done and I've got accomplished and that folks have a voice in Washington, in the United States Senate, that they haven't had a voice in the Senate in a long, long, long time, not since Howell Heflin left the Senate in 1996. And I want people to know that, that I'm listening to them and I'm taking that back to Washington. It's incredibly important. We're doing more and more of it. Zoom now, we did town halls, we did roundtables. I love getting out. That's the thing about this pandemic that I miss the most. Yeah. And that is really getting out with people. Absolutely. And you were talking about the virtual event. I had the honor of being a part of the youth virtual event that we had in July. And I wanted to get your opinion on how hard has the shift been from, you know, not being able to get out and be face to face with people, but um, kind of shifting to these virtual events. And how's your campaign um, doing with the virtual events and what events can young people and people in the state of Alabama look forward to? Well, there's a lot of things going on and it, it, it's been a difficult shift because uh, at least initially back in March, you know, we had uh, the, the headquarters in Birmingham was hustling and bustling, uh, a number of people working. We had different folks in the state and then all of a sudden we had to just start doing virtually. So most everybody was staying in touch, talking to people uh, by Zoom. I was doing a lot of Zoom fundraisers. I, I still do Zooms where I, you know, give a Chamber of Commerce speech or a Kiwanis or Rotary Club speech. Those are still ongoing. So it was a difficult transition at first, but I will say both in my Senate office as well as the campaign, I think we've done a good job, particularly in the Senate office. We've, I, even though I've been in D.C. and I'm going back next week, we're still doing a lot of things virtually. I have to go to the Senate floor to vote, but our committee hearings are, are generally done virtually. I'm still doing a lot of Zoom calls up there. 
Uh, and so the campaign now in this last 60 days or so, we're going to be trying to reevaluate how much I need to get out, how much we can do virtually. Uh, we've got to start a huge education process uh, with people about absentee ballots and yes. the early casting of an absentee ballot to make sure that it gets there and gets there on time. We've got to really work cut out for us in this new world that we're dealing with. But we're adapting. We're adapting really well. In fact, I just got something. I think it's going to be announced today. We're going to do a, we're going to do a big volunteer rally, uh, but it's going to be a drive-in rally. It's going to be at a local drive-in theater here in mm. Birmingham. And, you know, we'll have cars and we'll have the big screen and we'll have a stage uh, and it'll all be socially distanced and folks wear masks. But it is, it's just the new way that we feel like we have to do things right now. And as we go forward in the fall, hopefully things are going to get better and we can move around a little bit more, but it's still going to be a different world for us. Yeah, absolutely. And just the last thing before we close, um, close out, I wanted to talk to you about the census. You know, we have um, roughly 30 days <laughs> to get it back in. How important is the census for folks who are often um, overlooked in communities who are underfunded to fill out the census and to be a part of uh, letting the government, the federal government know that they're here um, and that they, they exist and that they need uh, the resources that the census provide. How important is that? Oh, it's incredibly important. So thank you for bringing that up. And when you say letting the federal government know they're here, make sure folks know the information is confidential. You're really more of a statistic, you, you know, in demographics and a number, you're, it's, it's not going to the IRS, it's not going to immigration, it's not going to any other place. Right. But it is so important to be counted and to get those demographics. I don't think pe people really fully realize that in terms of uh, federal dollars that come back to the state, so much of it, whether it's highways, roads, bridges, schools, is based on population. And the, if we don't have a good census count, then we're going to be losing out on dollars that should be coming our way. Not to mention the fact that we are going to be in danger of losing a congressional seat. We have seven congressional members, seven House of Representatives um, right now in the United States House. We could go down to six. And that was up from like nine or 10 just about 50, 60 years ago. We yeah. really have to start getting these numbers up. And the numbers in the Black Belt, the communities that need them most to be counted, the communities that need their census up as much as anybody in the state, those are the numbers that we're seeing that's lowest right now. It's really easy. You can go to mycensus2020.gov if you've got internet. If not, there's a, 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 a toll-free number that you can call, and now they've started getting census takers to come out there. So hopefully we can get these numbers up. But folks, everybody listening, please take the time. It just doesn't take very long at all. It's not intrusive. It's just counting and giving some different graphic information that is going to be confidential. But it is so important, so important. Absolutely. I totally agree. Thank you so much, Senator Jones, for stopping by once again to talk about everything. <laughs> I feel like we covered a good bit of ground. I wish you the, the best in these last 60 days of the campaign. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for having me. And uh, maybe we can do it again a time or two before the election. Shout out to Senator Jones for stopping by Popping Policies today. If you all enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. 
Also, follow us and interact with us on Instagram at Poppin' Policies Podcast. Our census deadline is approaching. All census forms must be completed by September 30th. Get counted, family. And remember, do good, seek justice, defend the oppressed. See you next time on Poppin' Policies with R. Jordan Davis.